Welcome back to Historical Context. Today, we continue our Before Jamestown Colonization Unit. And today, we're going to talk about what I like to call the three Roanoke colonies. And what I mean by that is when we talk about Roanoke, the lost colony becomes the big point of discussion. But in fact, there were three separate periods where three distinctly different people represented the Roanoke colony. And in each case, there are distinct mysteries regarding each group. Now, some of those mysteries would go on to be solved in a fairly recent fashion, and others would take some time, and others, obviously, as we know, remain unsolved. So today we're going to talk about Roanoke, but we're going to talk about it in the context of what actually happened there that we know about, and I'll lay into some speculation if I see fit as we go. So last week we talked about Arthur Barlow and his discoveries and how that motivated Sir Walter Raleigh to make immediate plans to start a colony in Virginia. And on April 9th, 1585, seven vessels left Plymouth, England, under the command of Raleigh's cousin, Sir Richard Grenville. Ralph Lane, who was a member of the expedition, did a majority of the writing about the establishment of the Roanoke colony. Early in the writing, however, he discusses actually another part of the East Coast. Let's have a look. But the territory and soil of the Chesapeans, being distant 15 miles from the shore, was for pleasantness of seat, for temperature of climate, for fertile of soil, and for the commodity of the sea, besides multitude of bears with great woods of sassafras and walnut trees, is not to be excelled by any other whatsoever. So Lane here is mentioning the Chesapeake Bay, which is further to the north uh, than, than Roanoke. And he mentions and holds Chesapeake Bay in a high regard, which I think begins the reputation of that area moving towards what would ultimately become Jamestown. Lane's writing, and we're going to see this in today's episode, moves around a lot from a timeline perspective. So I really struggled to get him to give me details of the Roanoke colony in order. He really jumps around in the writing. So it's going to be difficult to establish a sequence of events. However, I was able to get some good information from his writing. What is not mentioned in Lane's writing is that apparently he and Sir Grenville did not get along very well. And the writing also seems to be missing some significant timelines. And what we do know is, and again, go to last week's episode to see the whole context of the choice of Roanoke Island, but Grenville essentially dropped off Lane and approximately 100 other colonists on Roanoke Island. It was Grenville's intent to return 
the following year, 1586, with supplies. So Grenville leaves, they'll wait for him to supply them. Lane mentions that the natives have access to a mineral, and he believes that that mineral is copper, and that the natives were actually able to melt it for their use, which if you think about are several episodes where we've talked about natives. That is a rare characteristic uh, for any native tribe in North America. Lane notes uh, a big problem and a big challenge in the environment of Roanoke Island. Let's have a look at his writing. For at that time we had no wares for fish, neither could our men's skill of making for them, neither had we one grain of corn for seed to put in the ground. And this is where starvation already early on starts to set in on the island. The men do not have the, uh, as he put it, wares for fishing, nor the skills to make the wares. And to make matters worse, they didn't have any agricultural supplies to get started. So they were really unprepared uh, to be there at Roanoke Island. Despite Barlow's observations, and those were made in last week's episode, the, the colonists, again, just lacked the preparation of being there. Now, the Pemisapin king, the native chief there, was a big supporter of the colonists being there. Uh, there was a strong alliance made. But in April 1586, he dies and relations between the tribe and the colonists begin to deteriorate. Lane goes to great lengths to describe the support of the former native king and what he provided to the colonists. Let's have a look at the writing. And he was not only by the mere providence of God during his life a mean to save us from hurt as poisonings and such like, but also to do us very great good and singularly in this. So if you haven't picked up yet, Lane has a very unique writing style that, uh, and if you're on the YouTube channel looking at his words as they were written, you'll see that it's challenging to read from as well. But essentially Lane really portrays this native king as an important safety barrier. Uh, between the colonists and the, uh, the rougher relations with that native tribe. Lane goes on to add that conflict was occurring between the colonists and two other tribes, the Chinoists and the Mangoic tribes. And uh, the Chinoists are going to be of interesting characteristic later on. He also adds that starvation continues to spread amongst the colony and relations with the Penisapans just continue to deteriorate. Uh, the colonists go to take a few of them hostage. It gets that bad. They take a few of them hostage to which the tribe responds by apparently giving the colonists what they wanted. You would think that would be food, but what it was was to recognize the Queen of England as their sovereign ruler. So that leads me to question, you know, how, how great was this starvation if they're taking people hostage in exchange for uh, recognition of 
sovereign rulers. Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting twist of events. As starvation continues, Lane says something that I think can give us a potential clue as to what would happen to later colonists. Let's have a look. For the famine grew so extreme among us, or wares failing us of fish, that I was enforced to send Captain Stafford with 20 with him to Croatan to serve two turns in one, that is to say, to feed himself and his company, and also to keep watch if any shipping came upon the coast to warn us of the same. So here in this case, you have men going to Croatan and probably not voluntarily taking food, if I had to guess. And so uh, that trip, while there wasn't much else divulged, I think can give us some possible context later on when we look at what future colonists do. Now we're fast forwarding to June 1st of 1586 when a fleet is spotted offshore, but nobody could figure out who the ships belonged to. The fleet was too far away. And on June 9th, uh, after sending some men to investigate, a letter is delivered and there's some details there. Let's have a look. He brought me a letter from the General Sir Francis Drake with a most bountiful and honorable offer for the supply of our necessities to the performance of the action we were entered into and that not only of uh, vessels, munition and clothing but also of barks and boats but also by him to be visualed, manned and furnished to my contention so and I, I apologize I, may, I think I have definitely butchered one or two of those words but essentially Sir Francis Drake an English explorer comes along and offers to supply the colony which is great because they're waiting for a supply ship to come and that would be uh, Richard Grenville and it has not come back after a storm delays Sir Francis Drake's exit he actually comes to the island and offers a ship for Lane and the colonists to board and return to England. Now this is, you know, quite a tempting offer because things aren't going well. Relations are falling apart, supplies, food, everything's low. And so Lane calls his men together and considers the situation, the shortages, the poor relations, the overdue promise of Grenville's return, they're still waiting for him. And Lane's men agree to take Drake's offer and return to England. On June 18, 1586, Ralph Lane and the Roanoke colonists left with Sir Francis Drake for England. So the colony is gone. It has abandoned uh, the colonists have abandoned Roanoke Island. Now here's where it gets interesting. Just a couple of weeks later, Sir Richard Grenville arrives with supplies. And obviously, to his great disdain, he finds the colony empty, abandoned. And he sails around looking for the colonists, 
yet he cannot find them. He decides to preserve the colony. And this is from Lane's writing. Let's have a look. Yet unwilling to lose the possession of the country which Englishmen had so long held, after good deliberation he determined to leave some men behind to retain possession of the country, whereupon he landed 15 men in the Isle of Roanoke, furnished plentifully with all manner of provision for two years, and so departed for England. So 15 men remain in Roanoke with two years worth of supplies and Grenville returns to England. While this is going on, well, when, when Grenville gets back, Sir Walter Raleigh enlists the help of a gentleman by the name of John White to help resettle Roanoke Island. Now, once Grenville returned to England, he learned what had happened to the colonists of Roanoke Island because they had returned with Sir Francis Drake. But during that period of time, there was mystery as to what happened to them. So John White, in May of 1587, just about a year later, puts together an expedition of 150 new settlers and leaves for Roanoke Island. John White keeps a journal that we will be reading now from this point out. Ralph Lane is gone and now enter John White uh, for our readings. After spending some time in the West Indies, the voyage reaches Croatan Island on July 16th. On July 22nd, they reach Roanoke Island and begin looking for the 15 men that Grenville had left behind. Let's have a look. The same night at sunset went a land on the island in place where our 15 men were left behind, but we found none of them, nor any sign that they had been there, saving only we found the bones of one of those 15 which the savages had slain long before. Not a good sign, but he continues. The 3 and 20th of July, July 23rd, the governor with divers of his company walked to the north end of the island where Master Ralph Lane had his fort with sundry necessary and decent dwelling houses made by his men about it the year before where we hoped to find some signs or certain knowledge of our 15 men. When we came thither, we found the fort raised down, but all the houses standing unhurt, saving that the neither rooms of them and also of the fort were overgrown with melons of diverse sorts and deer within them feeding on those melons. So we returned to our company without hope of ever seeing any of the 15 men living. So that 15 men were the second group of colonists at Roanoke Island, and they're gone. They found the bones of one, but they couldn't find any evidence of anything else. The fort was torn down, and the houses were overgrown with melons, which makes me believe that they had planted some agriculture 
and it had grown out of control. It's important to note now within this group, this new group at the island, that there's no military presence. Orders were given to rebuild the houses and to build more houses. If you'll recall, there was 100 settlers in the first colonial group, 15 in the second, now 150 in the third, so they need to build more houses. On July 28th, there was a murder. Let's have a look at the writing. George Howe, one of our 12 assistants, was slain by savages, which were come over to Roanoke, either of purpose to spy our company and what number we were, or else to hunt deer, whereof many in the island. These savages, being secretly hidden among the high reeds, where oftentimes they found the deer asleep, and so kill them, spied our men waiting in the water alone, almost naked, without any weapon, save only a small fork stick, catching crabs therewith, and also being strayed two miles from his company, and shot at him in the water, where they gave him sixteen wounds with their arrows, and after they had slain him with their wooden swords, they beat his head to pieces, and fled over the water to the main. Slight correction, the murder actually occurred on June 28th. On July 13th, White and others traveled to Croatan Island, where one of their two guides uh, was from. And uh, the natives were tense at first. So again, they're at Croton Island. The natives of Croton Island were tense at first until the guide who was with them called out. And from there, they were very welcoming. They did mention that Lane's men hurt some of their men in what was believed to be a case of mistaken identity and that no ill will was held. The Croton told White that the 15 men left by Grenville were murdered by 30 men of three different tribes using the deception of approaching them in friendship. On August 9th, 24 colonists went on a mission to avenge the death of George Howe. With their native guide, they found the enemy village, but there was a big problem. Let's look at the writing. We presently set on them, the miserable souls herewith amazed, fled into a place of thick reeds growing fast by, where our men, perceiving them, shot one of them through the body with a bullet, and therewith we entered the reeds, among which we hoped to acquit their evil doing towards us, but we were deceived, for those savages were our friends, and were come from Croatan to gather the corn and fruit of that place, because they understood our enemies were fled immediately after they had slain George Howe. So they end up killing a Croatan ally, because the Croatans heard and knew that this other tribe had fled, so they went over to gather their food. And in the process, they were attacked by their allies, and 
one person was killed. The mistake was realized quickly, and both groups parted ways. On August 18th, Virginia Dare is born to John White's daughter, so she is John White's granddaughter, becoming the first English child born in an English colony. On August 22nd, John White's assistants request he return to England to bring back more supplies. White refuses to do this, but a couple of days later, more colonists become insistent that they are in need of supplies. So White had a short legal agreement drawn up, which was actually included in his journal on August 25th. And on August 28th, uh, John White and a group left for England, and after a few stops, they arrived in England on November 8th. White's journal concludes in a most unusual way. Let's have a look. The names of the chief men that died are these, Roger Large, John Matthew, Thomas Smith, and some other sailors whose names I knew not at the writing thereof. White is trying to describe who was lost during this period of time, and um, clearly there were people that were just completely forgotten about, and I find that a bit unusual, a bit interesting, but nonetheless it is what it is. White intended to return to Roanoke Island with supplies within a year, and Sir Richard Grenville was also preparing supplies, but everything got slammed to a halt with the Spanish Armada sailing around to attack England. And as a result of this, the English government would require all vessels to be put into use to defend England. Because of the war with Spain, Grenville was given military assignments and in one of those battles, he would actually die in 1591. John White was able to find two ships that were unable to serve in the military, and he actually set sail for Roanoke the next year in 1588, but French pirates robbed them, and they were forced to return to England. Finally, in March of 1590, Sir Walter Raleigh was able to help John White get together two ships to supply the Roanoke colony. The trip across was not easy as there were multiple skirmishes including one with a Spanish ship. On August 15th of 1590 they got into the area of the Pamlico Sound. They were encouraged by a smoke signal they saw but ended up following it and realizing it was further inland. On August 17th, they were ready to go to Roanoke when a gale surprised them and sunk one of their boats, killing seven sailors. So again, the situation, just not good getting to Roanoke Island. The next day, August 18th, 1590, which would be Virginia Dare's third birthday, Remember, he left when she was a newborn. 
the group arrives at Roanoke Island. They find the colony completely abandoned, with the houses taken down, and at the entrance of the colony, the only clue that they found was the word Croatan carved into a tree. Now a cross was missing from the carving, and a cross indicates distress. So with the cross being missing, John White deduced that the colonists were not in distress and that they had gone to Croatan Island. White went through some of the personal items that he had left behind at the colony and found them in ruins and scattered about. He also could not find any evidence of the boats that were left behind for the colonists. He surmised that enemy natives waited for the colony to leave and then ransacked the encampment. White goes on in his journal to say that he is relieved that the colonists are at Croatan Island and safe. So to White there isn't a mystery here. He did not see a sign of distress. He saw an indication of where they were going and felt that everything was fine. The next day, the group leaves for Croatan Island. But as they're leaving, two anchors malfunction, and the weather turns against them, so they decided to return to England via the West Indies. So, John White goes back to England thinking that the Roanoke colonists are at Croatan Island. Now, here's where the mystery deepens. There was little effort, if any, made to verify that the colonists had made it to Croatan Island. In fact, between the years 1590 and 1607, there are no verified visits to that location. In fact, the closest thing to an attempted verification that could be found was in 1701, 111 years later, John Lawson would visit Hatteras Island, which was right in that area, and he said that he found natives who had European characteristics and who said their ancestors were white. This lends to the notion that the colonists moved to Croatan Island and assimilated with the natives there. It's important to look at the first two groups and what they did. Because the third group knew about group one. They knew that group one had left the island via boat by Sir Francis Drake. They could have done the same thing and sank out in the ocean and been lost they could have actually sank on their way to Croton Island, even. They could have gotten into a hostile situation. Remember, the 15 people that were left behind and only one body found were in a hostile situation, and all, pretty much all evidence of them had been gone. But at the end of the day, we ultimately don't know what happened to those people. They are as lost and as mysterious as John Cabot. And so we uh, have to leave it essentially at that point 
and move forward. As for Richard Grenville, I had said that he died in battle in 1591. Ralph Lane was hurt in an Irish rebellion in 1594 and would die in 1603. And as for Sir Walter Raleigh, when Queen Elizabeth died and King James rose to the crown, he did not like Sir Walter Raleigh like Queen Elizabeth did. And Sir Walter Raleigh would end up ultimately being executed in October of 1618, having never visited the Roanoke Colony. So now, where does the story of colonization go from here? A lot of people would think that it is time now for the Jamestown Colony. And it isn't. We have one episode left in this unit. And it is the colonization of New Mexico, which occurred before Jamestown. And we'll talk about that next time on Historical Context. <laughs>